0: Our second scripture reading today comes from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, it's chapter nine, verses thirty-six through forty-three. It's on page one twenty-eight of the pew Bible. Now in Joppa there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time she became ill and died. When they washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with a request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him weeping and showing tunics and other clothes that Dorcas had made for while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside and turned and he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, they showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God have many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. When I was in high schools, I took Spanish with Senor Bub. And his name really was Senor Bub. It wasn't a joke. But one of his favorite stories to tell, we heard it at least twice a year each year we had Spanish. Was about the Chevy Nova. He, Heather laughed because she also had Senor Bob. And he told about the, the Chevy Nova, which in the 70s was a huge financial disaster for Chevrolet because they decided to sell it in Mexico. And va is the Spanish uh, conjugation of the Spanish verb for go. So literally translated, they were selling the Chevrolet no go which is a terrible name for a car. It's a great story about the power of names and about cultural differences. The only problem is it isn't true. It never happened. But there's no denying that names have power. That what we are called is very important. We see this in Scripture time again as people's names are changed. Sarai and Abram become Sarah and Abraham. Simon becomes Peter. Saul becomes Paul. We see names changed over and over. We also see this in how many people carry biblical names today. We chose Hannah's name because it is a biblical name, which means grace or gift. And we felt that she was a gift to us. My brothers are named Matthew and Benjamin which are both biblical names, which is ironic that the only one of us not biblically named Christopher turned out to be the pastor. Now, to be fair, my parents did want to name me Christian, but or my mom always wanted to name her first son Christian, but she felt Christian deacon was a bit much for any (laughs) child to bear. But one biblical name we don't see very often is Dorcas. Do you know anybody named Dorcas? We, we, and, and how long have they been in therapy for the teasing they had as a child? Kids can be cruel, and a name with Dorcas just opens them up. It's not an unheard of name, but it's not a very common name. Tabitha we hear more often, but not Dorcas. And our readings from Acts tell us that there was a woman in Joppa named Dor, or named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. And I don't understand why Luke gives us the Greek or why it's important or why it goes back and forth between Tabitha and Dorcas. But it's a powerful name. The Acts of the Apostles was written by Luke and I kind of look at it like a high school yearbook. It doesn't tell the complete story about the early church, but it gives us snapshots, gives us pictures of what the editor feels that we should remember, the events that they want to highlight. And today's highlight is a powerful one. It's about a woman named Dorcas, named Tabitha, who lived in Joppa. And when she dies, they send disciples to Peter, who was in a nearby town, who comes and sees her. And he goes up into a room and he says, Tabitha, get up. And she sits up and he takes her hand and helps her out of the bed. This is an amazing thing. Here we have seen the disciples heal. We've seen them cast out demons. But here they actually practice power over death. Here Tabitha Dorcas was dead in bed. She'd been washed. The windows were open. And he brings Peter brings life back to her. And she sits up and gets out of bed. A momentous occasion. But I don't think this story is about Peter. But I think it's about Dorcas. It's about Tabitha. And we have to ask, why was it her that Peter brought back from the dead? We know that in the early days it was very difficult to be a Christian. The people were put to death for their faith. They were persecuted. That They were hiding The disciples no doubt had lost friends, had lost followers, had lost brothers and sisters of the faith. And why is it this woman that Peter chooses to bring back from the dead? I think to answer that we have to look at who she was and who she wasn't. She wasn't a great preacher. She wasn't an eloquent writer. She wasn't a theologian. She didn't make huge monetary donations. To the church. But she was a woman who helped people. She's a woman that touched people's lives. She's a woman that helped people to find Christ and to follow Christ. At the base of it all, Tabitha helped people. She reached out to them. She made tunics and other clothes for them. She knitted afghans. She baked cookies and listened to them. She gave them a place to share their toils and their triumphs, their joys and their sorrows. She gave them a place to share their story. And this touched people. This moved people. This connected people to her. We know she was a person of great influence because of the way people reacted when she died. The church immediately sends two disciples to go to Peter, who is considered the head of the early church. And more than that, Peter comes. These two disciples rush to Peter and say, Peter, Dorcas, Tabitha has died. And he gets up and he goes to her. And when he gets there, he finds a house full of mourners. It specifically mentions widows wearing the tunics and the clothes that she had made. He finds a house full of people whose lives she had touched. People she had reached out to, people who she had influenced, people who were following Christ, because of her. He gets there and he sees a testament to the power of the resurrected Christ. And he shares this resurrection with her. There's no doubt that Tabitha Dorcas was very influential her passing through the church in the panic. They sent people to get Peter and he brought her back. She reached out and she touched lives. And she did it without fancy preaching. She did it out without writing eloquently. She did it without going out and talking to people, but instead meeting them where they were. Providing their needs. many churches have Dorcas clubs. They have organizations for the Dorcas women. And these are clubs that teach women to be young disciples. And they try to pigeonhole Dorcas by focusing this on clubs just for girls that focus on stuff that's considered womenly duty. Cooking, cleaning, sewing. And often these churches are the same churches that don't allow women into leadership roles they try to make Dorcas into a biblical Martha Stewart but I think she would have been outraged if she heard that I don't think she sewed and cooked because that was what women were expected to do I think she did that because that's where her gifts lay And she wanted to use the gifts that she had been given by God to serve people. To meet their needs. To reach out to the widows, to the orphans, to the powerless, to the voiceless, to those that society overlooks. Because she wanted to care for people. And help them out. It wasn't because it was a woman. It's because she was someone who followed Christ. And someone who knew what her gifts were. And it's because she was someone who had imagination enough to figure out how those gifts felt fit into a society of helping people. And it worked. A room full of people testifying to her work. A room full of people mourning her and testifying to the way she had touched their lives. You can have a thousand people in a church. You can have a million dollar endowment. But if you don't have some Dorcas's in your church, your church is impoverished. So my question to you today is, are you a Dorcas? How do you use your gifts to continue God's work? How do you use the talents that you have been given to reach out to the powerless? To the voiceless, to the widows, to the orphans, to those overlooked by society? How are you using God's call to help those in need? Those whose society deems the least of these. How are you participating in active ministry outside of these walls? How are you touching lives? How are you making a difference? How are you not just speaking, but living out the gospel of Jesus Christ? These aren't rhetorical questions. These are questions that I am asking you. And these are questions I want you to ask yourself. We should thank God that our parents didn't name us after Dorcas. But we should pray to God that God make us more like her.